This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. On this week's show, I talk with Dr. Everett E. Dennis. After a 14-year tenure at Fordham University, Dr. Dennis took a new challenge. Dean of Northwestern University's new journalism and communication school in Education City in Doha, Qatar. Now, when I first met Dr. Dennis a few years ago, we had an engaging conversation on what it was like training the next generation of journalists in one of the wealthiest and conservative countries. Now he's back to talk about NUQ, global education, and a whole lot more. Welcome back, Dr. Dennis. Thank you very much, Robin. Great to be back. So last we spoke, uh, you said the culture in Qatar is very modern, but a little conservative or a lot conservative. And there's tension between tradition and more modern culture. Has the culture in Qatar changed any since last we spoke? Well, I think so. It changes incrementally. Certainly, it's a conservative country religiously, not unlike Saudi Arabia, though not uh, quite to uh, that level. Uh, and and with some of the traditions are less pronounced in national dress and in other a- attributes. But uh, yes, I think the changes that have ha- happened in the culture have to do with the increasing number of expats in the country. There are of uh, 2.2 million people and uh, only about 300,000 are citizens of the country and the rest are all expatriates from elsewhere in the world, uh, like, like me. I'm one of them and I'm one of the guest workers in the country, so to speak. And some, of course, are, are building uh, are in, in the construction trades and in, and in many other fields. Some of it's been very controversial. But the country is moving fast to, uh, I, I think, embrace the global culture, and that's changed uh, uh, you know, substantially. In terms of global education, we in America think the Middle East is just this one place. Yes. But um, you were describing it's actually a, a number of different places that we don't necessarily take into consideration when we're talking about the Middle East. So what areas do you cover? Well, with our research, uh, and, and students come from the whole region. The whole region is 17 or 18 countries, depending on how you count. And you go all the way from North Africa over to the Gulf. And uh, and there are very differences, great differences in these societies. Some are more urban, some are more rural, some are poor, some are rich. So we're, we are, of course, based in the Gulf states. And the Gulf states are somewhat uh, uh, different in the sense they've been blessed by oil and natural gas revenues, and so they have a certain amount of wealth. And there's a lot of urban development that's just striking and almost jarring when you see it alongside uh, old-fashioned houses and desert terrain and that sort of thing. So it is a, a, a land of contrasts, and uh, that part is very exciting. I think we, we embrace the region. We try to know more, as much as we can about its history, its culture. We are, I think, open-minded about how we how we take that on. We don't come with prejudices. By the, by the same token, we try to bring the style and standards of American education. And that doesn't mean we, uh, you know, we are colonists who are trying to promote um, necessarily uh, all the things that all the values of the United States, but it's more of a style of education. But we listen to the local culture and we understand that they've made contributions to education as well. It's not as though we are coming to a region that is totally unsophisticated and bringing some Something they don't have. We're bringing an approach they haven't had in the past, and we're especially bringing opportunities for women uh, to get education, which has not been so common in the past. What percentage of women are pursuing degrees at NUQ? Well, about 79%, so it's very high. In fact, for, for us, for diversity, we try to get more men. And so it's a, uh, uh, but we're very proud of the female students, and they've had opportunities 
that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Dr. Dennis, have you tr- had to um, persuade parents that their daughters will be safe when they go to college? And if so, how do you do that? Well, we do, and it's a two-way street. First, people coming, parents come over as they do to look at schools, and so they want to, is it safe in Qatar? And uh, we're able to say it is indeed safe. Qatar is the second safest country in the world behind Singapore, uh, and there's very little street crime uh, and violent crime of any kind, even theft. So that's good. But we find the on the other side, our parents of our students coming to the U.S. to study, uh, they are terrified that there will be uh, terrible things will happen to them in Chicago or New York or wherever they're going to go. And we try to talk to them about how you stay safe in any city in the world, not just in the United States. But the personal safety is very important for all of our students. Their welfare, their safety, their health is paramount. And we, that's, you know, we're very, very concerned about that to make sure they're okay. And we can assure parents that we do everything possible to make, make that so. So there was a recent uh, NUQ Media Industries report on media usage and concerns. Yes. So, so tell me about the report and what it looked at. Well, we have two different reports. We every year since uh, 2013, we've published a rather massive study of media use in the region. That that talks about how people use the media, but that's more about the audience, what individuals are doing. So this this year, we launched a media industries study, and we did for the first time comprehensive analysis of media across the whole region what's happening to print media, what's happening in the electronic media realm, how is social media shaping up the role of film and theater, certainly cinema, I should say, uh, and filmmaking, uh, and much more. And and the powerful role of social media, which everybody's online and using smartphones, and so you can imagine all the same things that are happening in North America are also happening in, in the Middle East region. So let's talk about the Internet. What are Internet users concerned with most in in Qatar? Well, they worry about surveillance, even though it's a very surveilled country, and they know that that, that there are cameras everywhere, as there are many places these days. Uh, They worry about the surveillance of their individual email uh, Mm -hmm. and their use of social media, because Qatar and several countries in the region, and indeed worldwide, have cybercrime laws. And the cybercrime laws are, are quite draconian when it comes to negative things being said about any the country or the ruler of the country and they and people could be prosecuted for that they also worry about corporate surveillance and that's through through business contacts and through uh, you know information that goes to advertisers and other sources uh, how much does that come back and haunt you and people worry when they suddenly are they order something online and suddenly they begin to get all kinds of questions about or we understand you bought this last week and you're going to buy that next week. And that's happening a lot here in the States also. And it happens there, and people are very suspicious of that. Well, what else do they know about me? If they know what I bought and where I went to the movies or whatever, um, protection runs way behind in the Middle East. And so uh, you worry about those kinds of things. Who who is hacking into your your email and, uh, uh, you know, what kinds of viruses are let loose and things like that. So there's a lot of concern about that. Uh, we don't see too much of it happening, but I think the concern is there. And then um, the, the the role that social media is playing in letting people really break out and say anything they want. Uh, there's a great concern about reputation in the Middle East. People are it's a modest culture. They're shy in many ways. And, you know, they're embarrassed about things going online that 
and embarrass them. And it's not just embarrassment. It may have an effect on their marriage prospects and many other mm-hmm. things can have a reputation. Uh, people do worry about that for sure. And has this worry caused uh, them to change how they maneuver the Internet? Uh, to some degree, they, you know, direct messaging platforms like Snapchat and WhatsApp are, are now uh, challenging Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Google Plus and some of those. Uh, so that's you one. You mean to tell me Facebook isn't the most important social media it, site everywhere? Well, it's still important, <laughs> it, but its popularity has declined uh, considerably over recent years. And Twitter has declined as well in the region. So it's, you know, what is the next best thing? And it used to be said that, you know, Facebook was a dating site. And then Facebook was everybody, and all of a sudden, it's like going to a bar. People don't do much of that in the Middle East. And who do you most not want to see if you're a young person <laughs> out on the town? It's your aunt, your grandmother, right. and they're here. They Hanging are out at the there same place are you are. Facebook, right with you. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Dennis, whose responsibility is it to monitor or block some of this content that's that that's causing concern? Well, that's a good question. Uh, governments sometimes do it, uh, and uh, it's either governments or individuals usually, and uh, it, it can be done. It's a very expensive process to do very much blockage, and there isn't too much of it. People who've done analysis of what's available in, uh, in Qatar, for example, or UAE, et cetera, uh, don't worry too much about controversial material that you could get here. Some is out. Some Surprisingly, environmental topics and other things that you would think would be not so controversial are very controversial there. Uh, Give me an example. Oh, uh, it might be something on uh, electrical water use or waste of natural resources, waste of energy use. There's a real concern about that in a country that's trying to move away from a carbon-based economy to a knowledge-based economy, but it's not coming fast enough. And huge resources are being used to irrigate and to develop what was once desert land. And so uh, criticism of that isn't isn't welcomed. And so you'll find websites that you could get anywhere else in the world might might not be there. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. I'm in the studio with Dr. Everett Dennis, Dean of Northwestern University's New Journalism and Communications School in Education City, Doha, Qatar. He's updating us on NUQ's journalism school, its students, global education, and a recently released media study. Now, you've been there a few years now. What's changed about the school? I've been there five years, and first, the school has grown enormously from a, a small outpost and a startup that was just happy to be operating and fa- having faculty and students and courses organized. Now it's a much more refined operation. We have our programs in journalism and communication and a broad range of work in the liberal arts. We've created a Mid- Mideast Studies uh, certificate and minor program. We have a media and politics program in collaboration with Georgetown University. We've expanded our research enterprise. We're doing a lot of thought leadership in the region. And, of course, the big story for us is our students. We've graduated 181 students. They've fanned out over media across the region. They've gone to some of the world's best graduate schools, and they are real stars. And and, uh, I'm sort of like Garrison Keillor in that way, where everybody (laughs) is above average, but they truly are uh, extraordinary students. And that's really the purpose of being there is the quality of the student you work with and train and educate. 
Now, uh, Northwestern is one of six American schools in Qatar, correct? That's right. Yes, there are six schools there. How has the collaboration been between the schools? Well, it's almost an educational common market, Robin. The students in the undergraduate, the undergraduate level can take courses across the, the board in all of the schools. And so while they have their majors in one school, our students can take courses at Georgetown. They can take them at Carnegie Mellon, at Virginia Commonwealth, at Texas A&M, and even at Cornell at the medical school, which has a pre-med program in the sciences and, and some other areas. And so that interface between all of these schools, it's like being admitted to six schools at one time. One is really your home base, but the others are very welcoming. And at all levels in Education City, these institutions work together to create a whole, and it's a very productive one. There's also a French school, HEC Paris, um, University College London, and there are a number of other programs there. So is NUQ the school that you would want to go to for film and, and film production? Well, yes, but it's a, it's a media school that, that across the board, and so there's the news and, news, and news and public affairs and public relations, strategic communication, film production, entertainment uh, programming and development. So students can study all of that, but they do it in a liberal arts context. About 70% of all their academic work comes in the liberal arts. So we, we teach anthropology and sociology and political science and gender studies and, and, and so on. So uh, uh, that's a very important thing, too. But actually, our graduates, while many have gone into the media industries, and that's our goal, they go to outlets like Al Jazeera, to the Doha Film Institute, they go to big media companies, to Al Arabiya, uh, to others in the region. They work in ministries and businesses in PR and in uh, strategic communication. But a, a full uh, 34% of them have gone on to some of the world's great graduate schools. They've gone to Oxford and Cambridge and uh, uh, the University of Chicago, to Columbia, to NYU and uh, Northwestern and, and others as well. And we have some coming to Fordham this fall. And not simply in media and communication. They've gone to law school, business school, and, and Middle Eastern studies and even comparative literature. So it shows that it's a they're getting a full education and not simply a, a training in a given field. Last we spoke, you were bringing digital technology and a fully equipped modern media and journalism building yes. to, mm -hmm. to your school, which would help students produce news programs and Correct. Uh, that we just talked about. So um, did you move in yet? What happened no, with we that? we haven't. We're op it's opening up. Everything moves slowly in the Middle East, but it opens. Is it because it's so hot? The, that's right. <laughs> uh, in the sixteen seventeen academic year. And uh, it's a spectacular building. It's massive. It's some 515,000 square feet. It has... Uh, auditoriums, it's got a cinema, it's got uh, film, uh, full film studios, black box theaters, it has uh, uh, digital media operations, it has a particularly crafted newsroom, it's been designed by a great newsroom designer, and more. And so it'll be, I think, an extraordinary building and probably like none other in the world. We're very proud of that. When people come even to see our temporary facilities from uh, news outlets and, and media companies in the United States, they literally salivate when they see uh, the equipment that the students have. And they always say to our students, wherever you go to work, plan to work with inferior equipment. So they, they have been, we've been blessed to have the very best. Now, are the majority of the students uh, who go to NUQ, are they from the Middle East or can Americans go or who are the majority of the students? Yeah, the, the majority, well, 40% 40, 40 come from the state of Qatar itself, the Qatar residents. The rest come from a variety of Middle East countries, everything from Egypt across the, the region to the Gulf, uh, some from Europe. We have students from 
Africa. We have students from North America. We have students from India and Pakistan. We have them from China, Singapore, you name it. There, we had students from Latin America as well. I think we've had students from every continent except Antarctica. Why not Antarctica? Very, very diverse. Well, they don't, they don't like hot weather. <laughs> <laughs> About how much is tuition for a year? It's just under $50,000 a year, so it's comparable to any um, private institution of, of quality, I think. Now, Dr. Dennis, there was concern when the students uh, would produce what appeared to some as either controversial or Western-type programs. We talked about this the last time uh, you came to visit me. Are those still major concerns? Well, I wouldn't say concerns, but it happens all the time. I mean, and the question is, how do you cover news and do uh, entertainment programming that is honest and forthright and and has a a transparency about it, and at the same time be respectful of local customs? And the students have taken on some of the most controversial stories in the world for the Middle East, including the whole question of human trafficking, of, of uh, people there um, in Qatar and in el- elsewhere, uh, stories about, um, uh, I think, uh, disputes in the country, uh, you know, conflicts between various religious groups, political subjects as well. They're doing it with rigor and with quality. It's not sensational. Uh, so it's working. And I think also you find almost in the entertainment programming that they're doing and in comedy uh, routines and, uh, uh, and and screenplays and, and television uh, drama work that they do, uh, a lot of candor about subjects that have been here, heretofore taboo in the region. Subjects like what, Dr. Dennis? Homosexuality is, is highly controversial, for example, in the region, and uh, and that's something that's dealt with in, with a fair amount of candor in, in programs. It's not unlike the United States uh, in the sense that the Middle East is running well behind, but uh, uh, there, there have been, you know, uh, all the kinds of problems that have been associated with, with gay rights and with same-sex marriage and all of these kinds of issues are, are being felt now everywhere in the world, and different countries have different pace in terms of acceptance and uh, opportunities for people to be totally free and, and live that way. And last we spoke, you said uh, students were balancing and navigating between openness of new ideas, but also respecting their conservative traditions. Is yeah. that is that still challenging? or? Well, I think it's it's been a source of great creativity because people are very proud of old traditions there and often don't understand them. Uh, the way families operate, the relationships between and among people, uh, tribal interests and that kind of thing. So they're writing and thinking about those. And at the same time, there's a window on the global community, things that are acceptable elsewhere in the world that are that people frown on in the, in the Middle East. And so uh, it may be everything from mode of dress, modesty in one's person and that kind of thing. And uh, I think that is, that is going well. I mean, there are times when there are conflicts and... Uh, uh, and controversies, and you know, we cope with them as they come along. Let's talk trends, uh, Dr. Dennis. Where are most people uh, in, and again, I'm using the term loosely, the Middle East, because again, yeah, you said that sure. it's very broad. Uh, where are most people getting their news? Well, most people are still getting their news from television. That's changing a little bit. I see it eventually it's going to be social. It's going to be online media and, and the digital space. Newspapers and uh, print media play actually a bigger role there than you would think that, mm. than they do in the U.S. You have very robust uh, print organizations still around, but that's partly because they're subsidized largely by government and by wealthy families and, and uh, for reasons other than profitability, I think.
I'm wondering, too, because as we know here in these states, uh, print is is declining when it comes to like right. the paper, the actual paper. But yes. it is increasing online. Yeah. Are there any areas that are seeing a decline and other areas that, in the Middle East that are seeing an increase? Or are they all pretty even with well, with liking print? They're different depending on the nature of the economy. In the print area, you still have a lot of uh, very high glossy paper newspapers, big thick papers, even though they don't have huge circulations. A little a city like Doha, which has 2.2 million people, has six daily newspapers. Uh, you know, and that's a lot. And they're very repetitive. They look very much like each other. There are lots of um, magazines, uh, particularly high-end um, luxury style magazines, business magazines, you know, fashion magazines are are published there. Uh, and so those tend to be successful depending on how you d- define success. They break even or they um, they please their owners uh, up to a point. But the real money is to be made really in, in, in television, I think, and uh, increasingly online. And the online advertising revenues have been a little slow to catch up, but they're taking they're taking their place now, and I think it's it's making a difference. Is that the same with young people? Do you find the oh, same yes. trends with young people Absolutely. also? Absolutely. Yeah. Young people, of course, gave up on print media a long time ago. <laughs> I guess not just happening here in America then. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's worldwide. And, uh, you know, young people are the same almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and social media has actually given us what Marshall McLuhan used to call the global village. People all talk to each other, and you couldn't have imagined that a few years ago across different cultures and backgrounds. And I find in our students, they know all of the popular culture, uh, music and programming and things like that, and a lot more that we wouldn't know in North America because they might know things from Bollywood. Mm-hmm. They know things from some African states and elsewhere. So it's a pretty broad range of content. So where uh, do the young people get most of their music? I think online. Online. Uh, question. Same here. From each other, actually, on Facebook. And so you wonder sometimes the quality of the, of the of the material. But I think that's trending in the U.S. too. Is, with, uh, and, it, of course, the um, that is the individual contributions to online communication and people communicating between and among themselves. Some of the companies, such as uh, Facebook itself and I think Yahoo and others in the U.S., have begun to diminish the role of news uh, which they had championed a couple of years ago, finding that that's not what people want to follow. They want, and they just assume learn from each other. And so you wonder about the accuracy of if we're all individual news uh, makers and, and creators, uh, how much do we know? How accurate is any of it? That's, that's a concern. Uh, Dr. Dennis, do you see that affecting NUQ at all in the future? Well, I do because there's the whole debate always between the professional and the amateur. And now everybody is a communicator. We can all communicate whatever we want. We can set up a website. We can create our own little mini media company. We don't doesn't require the capitalization it once took in the past. And then the question is, what constitutes professional communication? What is quality work? That we we strongly believe in rigorous journalistic enterprise and in quality uh, docudramas and documentaries are people making a lot of, of documentaries and that's a, a major way to communicate but a documentary can be balanced or biased and uh, you have to work very hard I think in promoting the best of ethical values in communication and that, that's of course as a school we try to do. Is film also a growing industry in Qatar and oh, the Middle East? Huge yes it is. Uh, the One of the exciting things about uh, the independent films is the number of women directors. Women directors have been 
relatively infrequent in some of the other uh, theatrical and and film industries, and that's changing uh, radically, perhaps because of some of the local film organizations that promote this. There is an organization called 2454 in Abu Dhabi, for example, which provides film training. There's the Doha Film Institute. There are others uh, in every country in the region, and film is really hot. There are wonderful film festivals. You said there's more women uh, directors. Do you find that in for independent films? Uh, you find that with writers also, more writers. Yes, I think there are more women writers as well, and and uh, we f- we find it also in in comedy. Even comedy is very controversial because in comedy you can take on almost anything. If you can imagine doing comedy without take taking up gender, religion, politics, which is the essence of comedy uh, in the region, how clever people are to get around some of these and still uh, do it. And so we, we do find that, yeah. Dr. Dennis, did your study uh, look at, at podcasting, which is something that's growing here? Is that growing at all in the yeah, Middle East? it is growing in the Middle East. And in fact, Al Jazeera is, is developing uh, a whole new podcasting uh, enterprise uh, uh, but podcasting is, is not as popular probably as it is here. But radio, of course, is the most ubiquitous medium in the world. And uh, podcasting makes a lot of sense. And it combines, of course, the essence of old-time terrestrial radio with, uh, uh, with digital um, uh, operations. And so that is good. And, and, and also radio documentaries are, are popular. And, and our students do, want, do work in radio as well as in, 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 in video operations. But uh, the podcast... Uh, so much that is uh, uh, advancing and, and combining in a multimedia context all kinds of journalistic and entertainment enterprises. We're learning that, um, unfortunately, radio is uh, declining here in the States, at least when it comes to young people. So we have been in the process um, of trying to come up with ways to grab that young listener. Um, And a lot of them are saying, you know, they don't like appointment listening. I don't want to have to turn, you know, I don't want to have to turn on the radio at six o'clock to hear Fordham conversations. I want it on a podcast where I can listen to it at any time at all. Do you find that's the same in with uh, students at NUQ? I do. What they're looking for is audio on demand. Yep. Uh, whenever I want it, when I want it, when I, you know, it, when it, when it's available and I have time to listen to it, and so that's becoming more and more the, the case. But uh, people are using, and I don't know the data on this, but uh, they hook up with um, the audio radio stations all over the world in the Middle East. And I know our students are very aware of, of, of the major stations in the U.S., NPR, et cetera, because they admire the quality of that work. And so, but in terms of numbers, uh, who knows? I mean, it's not, it's not massive, but I think the answer comes in getting students more involved in radio production and understanding what a, an effective medium it is and how it's a, it's, it can be an inexpensive and a very malleable medium when um, you put out this report, did anything surprise you? I think the uh, the whole notion of the uh, people being more fearful of the private sector than they were of government in a part of the world where you think of government can be quite draconian at times, uh, that, that people would worry more about private sector uh, intrusions, I, I think, on, on their lives. I think also the... Uh, the card-shuffling nature of social media, what's popular this year isn't popular last year. It's just very trendy. But not a lot of surprises, but uh, uh, the uh, 
you know, I think the differences between and among these countries, you do, it is surprising that so many women are online in Saudi Arabia with making critical remarks, and, and that's, there's, there are social movements that have evolved in perhaps one of the most conservative countries in the world. I think the uh, one thing that continues to be to surprise others is that the Arab Spring didn't get snuffed out in 2012. It lives in lives in social media in a lot of ways, and you don't you're not seeing the street demonstrations to the extent that they once existed, and the violent explosions. Oh, there's certainly some of those, but you're finding it in a quieter form, uh, with people really expressing themselves and seeking empowerment. So I, I think that's those are. Always very exciting developments. So, Dr. Dennis, what question do you often get when people ask, why did you move from the States to Qatar? Well, the question is often, why are you there? This is, isn't this a country that doesn't have freedom of expression as we have in the U.S.? Doesn't it have all kinds of, of uh, uh, problems that are going to be hard to teach journalism? And my, re- my answer to that is that's exactly why we're there. We don't really need to be in England and France uh, doing this kind of thing. We need to be promoting the idea of freedom of expression and transparency in media in a country where you don't have very much of it. And many people don't understand that. They think if it's not perfect now, you shouldn't be there. But by that kind of logic, you'd never have traveled to Russia in the past. You'd never pushed the boundaries in societies that are more hermetic. And and I think it's it's very exciting to be in a place that has opened itself to this kind of thing, cautiously for sure, but but willing to. Uh, it's a new frontier. It's a chance to institute, build a, a new kind of institution and uh, to reflect on what we're doing in the United States at the same time. What's next for you at NUQ? Well, our next uh, adventure is going to be more professional education for mid-career and, and executives, and then at the same time, uh, creating graduate education. So we're definitely going to do that. And we have a number of other things on the, on the drawing board uh, and continue to expand our student body and uh, you know, to try to uh, let the rest of the world know what we're up to. So, Dr. Dennis, when you come back, will you uh, join us again here on Fordham Conversations? My pleasure. Thanks again for having me. And thank you so much for coming in. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Everett Dennis. I'd also like to thank my producer, Kyle McKee. You can friend Fordham Conversation on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.